Alright, so I, I just watched this trailer for this 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 movie that Buck is trying to show me, I don't know what the hell. It's called Tusk. I, I don't know why it's a thing. Why is it a thing? Okay, so it's a thing because podcasts. This is 8-Bit, episode 87. You never forget your first. On Sunday, September 21st, 2014. And now, butts and nads. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker. So, I mean, the, the guy who, like, wrote this movie and everything, um, he was, you know, a, a movie director, you know, before, and then he kind of stopped doing, making movies for a while, and he's had a podcast, and it's, it's you know, one of those weird niche podcast where it's just like him and his friends talking about what they want to talk about and you know they they just kind of attract an audience that's like-minded people to them you know um nothing well kind of except that i I think that there's a lot of people interested in video games um but yeah so it's like more more niche than than we are obviously um except that they have way more listeners than we do and (laughs) and uh but more popular at, at at one point during the podcast, uh, on one of their episodes, they were reading this this story about um, a guy who was like trying to find an apartment to live in, and one of the places that he found was like it was like super cheap. I, I get maybe it was even free or something, um, but like the one stipulation was the the owner wanted him to dress up as a walrus every once in a while because this person used to live in an area with walruses or something and they like they wanted to have that walrus experience again and and so they're like they're talking about like that like they're talking about like this this weird yeah like what the hell is going on what is this and then all of a sudden uh, you know he was just like wait a minute this is a horror movie this is a perfect horror movie premise so they they like they just started like riffing and like you know coming up with different ideas for this horror movie on the podcast and then he suddenly just went wait a minute listeners do you want me to make this movie because I will make this movie if if you guys want it to be made so he like you know posted that question off on Twitter and said you know reply with um, like hashtag walrus yes or something like that or mm-hmm. uh, and and you know. <laughs> if you want it to be made. And everybody was like, yes, yes, make this movie. <laughs> and so now we have Tusk, a movie about a podcaster, like a douchebag podcaster, who goes up to Canada to interview some guy and gets trapped there while the guy is like surgically turning him into a walrus because he loves walruses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This sounds so bad. It's so, the same yeah. I might have to actually watch. It. <laughs> I, I want to watch it so bad, but it's not, it's only in like a, a very few theaters in the United States, so I can't watch it until it comes out digitally. Yeah. So we might have to make that a project. Watch that together. Oh, <laughs> and the kicker the kicker is that I I heard about this podcast or th- this movie on a different podcast <laughs> where he was a guest. On the Nerdist podcast, you know, and they just just started talking about Tusk the movie. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, oh, you want to know what else funny happened this week? Um, huh. Very funny, in my opinion, anyway. So Ryan, our studio guy, 
found out about uh, this some way to you know have uh, web pages present themselves in like a you know a printer friendly format, but only do that if they are you know being printed if you hit the print button. So like you know that's to to eliminate the need for having those stupid links to like click here to have a printer friendly version of this article or whatever. Um, and so Ryan, of course, implemented this on uh, on our website. So you listeners. If you're on our website right now, by the way, the, the URL to this episode is thenexus.tv slash eb87. Just hit that control P. Try and print this uh, this episode out. You will not regret it. I, I promise you. It is hilarious. Wait, why would they need to know thenexus.tv slash eb87 if they're already on the website? Who, who says that they're already on the website? You did. You said... If you're on the website already. Yeah, if then... you're on the website, and then I realized, well, if you're not on the website, you probably want to know how to get there. So I explained. Okay, sorry, I thought you said just, if you're on the website, this is the, no, no, <laughs> this no, is the no. URL for the website. I was changing gears. You didn't hear it, but, you know, my mind went ka-chunk. And, wait, that's a really bad changing gear sound. That means that there's something wrong with your car, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know, though, because I've only had crappy old cars that, you know, nearly crush my fingers with doors. <sighs> Yeah. Same here, but no. Seriously though, print off this page. It's hilarious. Did you have you done it, Ian? Did you try it? Actually, I did it while you were disconnected in the fringe. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) And then I actually printed it off, or then I printed off a copy, and I'm just letting it sit in the printer as free advertising. (laughs) Well, not free advertising, but as advertising for us. Nice. (laughs) Um. Yeah. So speaking of um, I just said that word, and. I found well. Ryan found this uh, article earlier this week. Man, it's, it feels like it was a long time ago that I read this article, actually. But apparently, it was this week. There's apparently a correlation between where you live and what filler word you use. You know, um or uh. Yeah, I mean, thank God they didn't throw in like. Though I think Callie would just be flooded. <laughs> yeah, I, bet, I did think of that. Yeah, <laughs> the valley. Um, the the Cali Valley of likes. Yeah. Well, so. The phrase Valley Girl, what does that even mean? Where is this valley that they're referring to? I think that's the Baja Valley, or... It can't no. be Silicon Valley. That would be ridiculous. What is... Where are Valley Girls from? Where did that dialect, that stupid, stupid way of talking and way of living, where did that come from? What is this valley? Anyway, looking it up on on Wikipedia. Valley Girl, from Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Uh, <laughs> California English dialect. That's a very, apparently a thing. Um, the L.A. commuter towns is of the San Fernando Valley. Okay, okay, so near L.A. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so there's there's apparently like this kind of swath through the middle of the U.S., like down what? the Ohio River Valley area, where most people use the word up. But then north and south of there, people use uh more often. And this is all, this isn't based on like evaluating people while they're talking. This was based on just word choices in tweets, uh, you know, and and where those tweets were coming from. But yeah, so apparently people in the like Ohio River Valley area use um more often. And so in Minnesota, theoretically, we use uh more often. But then I went and listened to the last episode of our podcast, and I totally use um all the time. And it actually made me really mad listening, because I was listening for it, and I was like, I seem to be saying um every other word. It was awful. <laughs> I hated myself so much. 
Like, Can you imagine how much shorter it would be if you edited the show? <laughs> Getting rid of all those ums. That would, that might be a good thing because it's easier to convince somebody to listen to a 50-minute show than a one-hour show. Actually, it wouldn't be a 10-minute difference. If it was, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> also, I probably should have listened to see which one you use more often, but I was just so mad at myself. <laughs> oh, I definitely used um all the time, which is what the map says that we're supposed to use. Does it? Yeah. Does it really? Oh. Yeah, we're on the um side. I must have misread that. Good job. No, 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 no. Wait. Or, I'm sorry, I got mixed up in my head. I use uh more often. I think. I. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to listen again and do it again, and I'll get back to you later. But <laughs> All right. It, yeah. Uh, or actually, I think I think I wrote it down on a Google Plus post. Actually, <laughs> I'm curious as to why our little area is sort of like an island of um. Because we're in the city, like it it is known that the Twin Cities accent is not you know your stereotypical Minnesota accent. No, I mean like looking at just Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northern Iowa, uh, uppies, and then the western parts, uh, or sorry, eastern parts of North and South Dakota. We have sort of the little island of all of the um strong um tendencies, and I'm wondering why we have that. I'm not sure. Notice how I turned that uh into an I'm. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm getting better at this. Wait, wait, wait! I got something for you. Hold up, hold up. This looks different. Okay, so I just looked back at the the when I when I shared this link on Google Plus, the the preview picture from back then has the um and the uh flip-flopped oh. that from what the article has it as now. What the heck is going on? Okay, I don't trust this thing anymore. I don't trust this anymore at all. This is so weird. All right, whatever. Also, notice that there are, like, entire counties uh, in the United States that don't have any tweets, <laughs> apparently. So it would seem. That's kind of, that's kind of sad. I'm kind Wait, of fine. Wait, Oh, All right. here we go. Never mind. We're talking. So, we... I was looking up an SNL thing because we were talking about being pretty sure, and there's this one where um, Anthony Crispino is the guy's or the character's name. Um, keeps on going. I'm pretty sure. And then so Seth asks, "Are you sure?" And then I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. And it goes up and up and up in volume and in speed, and eventually he sounds <laughs> like a hamster. And I really wish I could have put that on, but oh. Well. <laughs> There's no there's no good version of it. The only version of it on YouTube, which is the only video thing that we can really do on here, um, is a recording of someone has a TV, and then... Yeah, they... those are always awful quality. <laughs> yeah. So, no thank you. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. So, do you remember last week when we talked about uh, Minecraft most likely being bought by Microsoft? You mean Mojang? Yeah, Mojang. Those, those, those Swedes. Those yeah. Swedes, yeah. Hey, I can actually say down in Stockholm right now. Okay. That's so cool. Anyway, so <laughs> they, they indeed, well, I've never been north of Stockholm before in my life. I mean, you know. So, yeah, um, they were indeed bought by Microsoft for $2.5 billion. And according to Notch, so, I mean, everybody's, you know, talking about the Microsoft end of things. Like, what are they going to do with the franchise? You know, I, obviously they're going to be bringing it to Windows Phone because that's, you know, that's the obvious step. But, like, people are, you know, worried about them doing, you know, licensing deals and stuff for it and, you know, trying to monetize it in ways that we don't like. But I'm more interested, actually, in Notch's side of things because yeah. he 
has traditionally been, you know, the whole the whole we're not going to make Minecraft for Oculus because I don't trust Facebook, you know, stuff like that. So everybody was, you know, like, why is he selling out to Microsoft? Well, uh, it's because he he says that it's for his sanity, really. He didn't he didn't want to become famous, you know. He he never intended for Minecraft to become as big as it is, and he actually stopped developing for it a long, long time ago. Like he he would have left. Moyang, if he could have, but they, you know, decided, well, we need you for, like, the company culture, you know, otherwise it's not the same. And he's just kind of, like, he's he's tired of having to answer people's questions about Minecraft, you know, people blaming him for things that are happening in Minecraft when he has nothing to do with it anymore. And then the tipping point, apparently, was when he watched a, a video called This is Phil Fish about being internet famous and, you know, how it's really, really easy to just kind of become the villain, you know, become like a a symbol of how how not to be internet famous. Uh, and and it kind of, you know, made him realize that he didn't want to become that. He wanted to just live his life and, yeah. and make small projects that aren't going to be getting any attention. But, I mean, he's not, so anything that he ever does is going to get lots of attention. So, <laughs> too late? But, yeah. It was a good video. I recommend everybody go and watch it. Oh, I haven't I haven't finished it yet, but it's definitely been worth the bit that I've watched already. Yeah. So, no. And I mean, it definitely makes sense why he's quitting then watching that little bit. Mm-hmm. Or watching, having watched a little bit of the video that I've seen. Just because that does not seem like a fun place to be at. No. And the funny thing about Phil Fish is, like, I never had the sense that he was, you know, like, I'd never had the I hate Phil Fish stage, because I the only time that I've ever really, like, seen him was in Indie Game the movie, yeah. where he, you know, so he was portrayed in a, you know, fairly good light in that movie, and I've, I've you know, never been on Twitter to, to see his posts where he's, you know, retaliating at people who are insulting him, so... Yeah. And I mean, I, something that they pointed out was the whole retaliation thing is, yes, he he was being a bit of a dick in the way that he was retaliating, but at the same time, he wasn't really the one that started it. Oh, yeah, he was, he was responding in kind, which is probably, like, it's fine to do that normally, but it's probably not a good idea to do that when you're on Twitter and you're internet famous. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of what they were talking about. Yeah. Right. Well, on to some some happier news, <laughs> happier things to think about instead of people being angry at each other. Um, see there, I did it. Um, yeah, exactly. It's so hard. Okay, let's see. Not saying it. Not saying it. Not saying it. <laughs> yeah, but now you can't say anything else. It's. I've been policing myself this entire time, and it still slips through. I've also noticed that I'm just kind of replacing it with so or like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably replace it with yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Actually, you know what we should do? We should replace our ums with just something ri- just ridiculous. Like, okay, I'll say butts every time. Every time that I want to say um, I will say butts. Fine, and, you, you, you take butts, I'll take Why don't you say nads? Fine. Nads. So that it was so that so that Ryan doesn't have to go through and find every single time that you talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
great. He didn't even hear any of that. No, no, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, in the meantime. So there's been on Steam, a game that's been out for a while is finally being released onto Steam for PC players to get that, and that is Final Fantasy Thirteen. Woohoo! This came out how long ago? I think that one's a fairly recent one. I think it was like 2010, 11. Yeah, something. it wasn't that that long ago, and I remember it receiving a good amount of hype when it came out. I remember Noodles playing it nonstop, or being really excited for it <laughs> at camp. I'm rather interested about this because I think this is the first time that a Final Fantasy game has been released on PC, at least only on Steam, where it wasn't originally on PC. You know, all of the other Final Fantasy games that were released on Steam all of a sudden are older ones that were on PC at the time, but, like, were only on disc. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think it's really cool that they're doing this. And And, and, the entire trilogy is going to be coming, not just 13. It's going to be 13, 2, and... 13, 3. 13.3 13.3 has a different name, doesn't it? There's Lightning Returns or something like that? I don't know. I forget. I, 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 I didn't really pay attention because it was just an old console game, but... Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. I can help you define those. So there, there's the original one, which is 13. There's the second one, which is 13-2. And then there's the third one, which is indeed Lightning Returns. I'm so smart! Thank you, Ghost. Yep. <laughs> so, Twitch. We've, uh... Oh, we've butts. Butts, butts! <laughs> We've done a few Twitch broadcasts before uh, where we didn't yell butts. But <laughs> now you can watch those and you can watch whatever stuff on Twitch you want to on a Chromecast. And I think this is actually one of the better fits in terms of you know apps that are were ported to Chromecast, shall we say. Uh, some, of, some of them don't make quite as much sense like you know Beyond Pod, the podcast app. Am I really going to want to listen to a podcast through my television, through my, you know, home speaker system? Maybe, but, like, is everybody else in the house going to want to listen to it? Probably not, you know. So, but should Chrome, you force them to listen to it? Yeah. Yes. yes, you absolutely should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, like, Twitch makes perfect sense because then you can just wa- have the, the stream going on up there on the television, and you can still be in the chat on your, on your device your phone or your tablet or your, or your computer or whatever. Uh, or you can go... But... Or you can just go and do something else entirely and still have the stream going on in the background, which you can't do normally on a mobile device if you're trying to watch Twitch. Hmm. So I'd, I'd say this is a very good fit. Yay, good pairings. Yay. I ship it! <laughs> if, if Ian were Tumblr, Chromecast and Twitch, I ship it! Are they OTLs? They... <laughs> oh, isn't it OTP? OTP, yeah. Sorry, one true pair. Not one true lovers, one true pair. <laughs> Thank you. Jeez, can't you internet? Wait a minute. Have a, wasn't that in the title of one of our episodes one time? Probably. Like, internet better or something like that? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. We, we've had just a couple. It's kind of hard to remember them all. The only one that I really remember is uh, Top Secret Tessellated Toad Tech. Yes, episode because one. Number one. <laughs> you never forget your first one, do you? Mm-mm. <laughs> and I mean, it was so good, too. We've gotten a lot better since then. Actually, I, we should go and listen to some of the early episodes and just laugh at ourselves. It'd be great. Maybe on the fringe. Maybe on the fringe. That should be just sort of the the, the nads, the, um... The nads! 
This is this makes it so much more fun. <laughs> the catchphrase of this show. I will do it on the fringe. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been called the innuendo show. We've been called the ta- the the uh, eating show. Can we be called the fringe show? No, that that's too confusing. <laughs> the deferral the fringe show. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, the reduction of the fringe show. Anyways, that's so. confusing. <laughs> the fringe is fringe. Oh man! <laughs> now to make things completely meta, the fringe is fringe. Well, you know, it, it's fringes all the way down. Fringe, 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 fringe. It's the fringe of a fringe of a fringe of a fringe. Seven degrees of fringeration. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole in the bottom <laughs> of the sea. <laughs> Ryan is just like, shut up and move on, please. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Let's move on. All right. Well, I mean, more good news. EA's latest on the house, so their free game, all for you, is Bejeweled 3. So go and pick that up, unless, of course, you're, like, boycotting EA or something like that, which which would make sense if you did in some ways, but at the same time, not. I mean, free games are free games, and if you already have an Origin account, why the heck not? Yeah. yeah. So there was actually a really important announcement that we missed over the summer. I keep hearing about these games that were announced over the summer that we have no clue about because we weren't around. Um, no clue about yet. We're yeah, working on it. Yeah, and I'm not about to go and read three months' worth of but, but uh, <laughs> three months' three worth, worth of, of plug butts. <laughs> so. Gearbox, they've got this, their next franchise, it is called Battleborn, uh, and luckily they just revealed some new information about it for our benefit, and for everybody else's too. So, it's basically, it's, it's going to be a first person shooter, it's going to be co-op, so so far, very Borderlands. It's going to have a very stylized art style, uh, though it's not going to be, you know, all cell shading the way that Borderlands was, but it's, it's going to look very different from what you're used to in a, in a shooter. Which is what I like. I mean, it turns yeah. everything into a giant graphic novel, essentially. Yes, yes. Battleborn won't be doing that exactly, but it'll be, you know, saturated colors, very, you know, uh, very primary colors, I think, from, from what I saw in the trailer. Anyway. Uh, I am the Battleborn. So the difference is, so what, 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 uh... Butts. Butts, yeah. <laughs> what Borderlands did for shooters was basically tons of loot, and, you know, much of that loot being tons of guns, right? Yeah. There's untold combinations of guns in the game. Now, Battleborn... A bajillion guns. Yeah, that was, their, that was their catchphrase, I believe, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Battleborn is going to be doing that with the characters. So you're going to have bajillions of characters to choose from. And they're trying to represent, like, every single trope mm-hmm. that exists through these characters. And... Right. I didn't realize it at first, reading reading through this the synopsis of what this game is going to be, but over time I realized, okay, so basically they're making a co-op MOBA because the matches, the missions in this in this game are going to last 20 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You level up your character just like within that mission, so you'll be able to reach level cap in those 20 to 30 minutes for the character, but then you'll also have separate like player player wide things that you level up. So things that you'll carry with you from character to character, from mission to mission. Uh, but each individual character, you know, gets leveled all the way up uh, in one mission. And that's kind of to encourage you to try out all of the different characters, which is good because in Borderlands, you know, you kind of, you pick your one at the beginning and then you stick with it. 
Yes. Um, but they don't want you to do that, do that here. Also, it allows them to it allows you to play with people who aren't necessarily at the same point like in the story or this you know the same level as you which is another problem with Borderlands because let's say Sonya suddenly got into Borderlands today I wouldn't be able to play with her very effectively with my level 30 character that you know we've been playing together on also it would be cheating on you so I wouldn't do it <laughs> yeah um, but yeah so that's Battleborn er, uh, yeah, yeah, Battleborn, sorry. I almost got confused with Battlecry. There are too many battle games out there. But yeah, it's, it, so uh, um, Battlecry is, I forget who it's developed by, but it, it, it was one of those games that we talked about, I believe, actually, over 4th of July break. Um, so anyway, Battleborn from Gearbox is coming out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One in 2015 sometime. So we'll have to see about that later. Uh-huh. I mean, we have... We, we we can attest at least a little bit, or at least I can maybe. You you didn't really have much success with this, but shooter style MOBAs do work at least fairly well. Like from minimum. Oh sure. The little bit that we played, I I thought it was a lot of fun, and I'm probably gonna hop back into it in a little while after we're done with the podcast. Yeah. Um, once once my care package comes with my screwdriver set and the extra stick of RAM, I'm hoping that this thing will perform better. Hopefully. I, I need to do the Borderlands DLC with you, and I can't wait that long. Well, I will. I have to, but... <laughs> oh, I forgot to talk about the story for Battleborn. So oh, yeah. the setting is far, far, far in the future. Like, there, this is about as far in the future as you can go, because the... So there's tons and tons of different species that, you know, humans have met and everything, and they, they had came from all over the universe, but then the universe starts to kind of die. Like, there are star systems that are just kind of going dark, and they have no idea why exactly. It's, you know, there's all sorts of different groups that have different theories on why the universe is ending, what's causing it and everything, and eventually they're all stuck together in the last solar system that exists. Uh, and then they f- then they find out what is actually destroying the universe, and it's it's some species from outside of our universe that consumes. I don't know if they like consume matter, but the, the, it sounds like they're accelerating the heat death of the universe, basically. Mm. And so now now all of a sudden these all of these different people from from our universe have something to fight against. You know, they they have something to unite them, so they all get together and they start pushing back. And that's the the game is the story of them trying to save the universe, as it were. Shepherd. <laughs> well, he only he she only had a one galaxy to save. For now, we know that there's more coming out. Right, so... but we also know that Shepherd is not going to be in any of it. Yeah, because he did. Well, maybe. Maybe. Depending on the ending that you got. Yes. I need to go and have a different ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. We shall see. Because I chose order, I believe. Okay, I I chose the melding one, the the middle one. They didn't have the middle one when I first played through. What? No? What? The middle one, the green one? Yeah. That came out a while after. Really? Because I yeah. played yeah, through... But... I've only finished the ending... I've only done the ending once, and that was before they released, you know, the extended cut ending, whatever, that fixed it in people's minds. So I've never, I've never seen the fixed ending. There were three choices. No. Originally, there were only two. There was only Paragon and Chaos. There was only Order and Destruction. We'll look this up later. Because, <laughs> I mean, if I, had given, if I had been given the melding ending as an option, I would have chosen that one. Okay. Hmm. But I, I was only given Order and Chaos. So either 
live with the machines or destroy all machines. Weird. Hmm. So, so what's next? So what's next? Oh, yes. So one of my favorite things to study is classics, right? I mean, I'm, I'm majoring in that whole thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know who is the greatest conqueror of all time? One of my, I, I guess kind of one of my namesakes. Not really. What's I was going to say Hannibal because oh. I associate Hannibal with elephants, but I can tell you that you're going for Alexander the Great. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Alexander the Great is the one that they referenced in the video. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. <clears throat> Though, yes, Hannibal did use elephants, and it was kind of scary because he marched them up through snowy mountains and through snowy mountains to get to Rome and almost destroyed Rome because of that. Because so the Carthaginian... legends are true! Giants! Stone laser giants! But, Nads. Nads. Mine, sorry. <laughs> but, Nads. <laughs> Or nad butts. <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> so, so what does this have to do with Far Cry? One of the new animals in the upcoming Far Cry 4 is, of all things, Olivants. Olivants. And you can do a full Legolas, and you can ride said Olivants into battle. You can cause massive destruction, just like in Alexander's times. My favorite thing about this trailer is the the way that it's set up at the beginning as like a nature documentary. And this guy has a really like soothing voice and he's like talking about the just facts about elephants and stuff. And then fact, elephants like to destroy everything. And then you, they just show a bunch of footage of elephants destroying things in the game. It's great. Fact. Actually, elephants crave human blood. No, we should let's watch this thing. All right, fine. Yeah. Oakley dokley neighborino. Since the dawn of man, the majestic Asian elephant has been worshipped as a godlike symbol of strength and wisdom. With the largest brains of all land animals, they are highly intelligent and exhibit a wide range of sophisticated behavior, including learning, language, and tool use. Elephas Maximus is the biggest mammal in the land, weighing a massive seven tons, more than three full-sized cars. It is also the strongest, able to carry the weight of a hundred men and uproot even the tallest trees. It is easy to understand why these beasts have no natural predators. Deployed by Alexander the Great, like a heavy tank, a charging elephant becomes unstoppable at 20 miles per hour. With its spear-like tusks, formidable trunk, and crushing limbs, the elephant's natural weapons give it the destructive power of a true war machine. The elephant remains a force to be reckoned with. To ride one, you must be bold. To challenge one, you must be suicidal. Fun fact, elephants crave the taste of human blood. And when it comes to vengeance... An elephant never forgets. Yeah. So, my other favorite trailer that came out this week was for, uh, butts, 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 Borderlands, the pre-sequel, yes. Because it involves Mr. Torg and Sir Hammerlock explaining pretty much everything that we could ever want to know about the game 
but they're like riffing on each other, insulting each other, and just being themselves. It's so great. Um, it sounds so, like if it was you and me. Yeah. <laughs> commentating on the game. <laughs> <laughs> you'd probably be Sir Hammerlock, and I'd be Mr. Torg. Sure. Okay, I can take that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would totally love to watch it uh, on the show, but it's ten minutes long, so you're going to have to go and watch it on your own, dear listener. It's worth listening to, it's, though. It's very worth it, but since we have only, you know, an hour here-ish. We, we have as much time as we need, but we also want to yeah. make sure that you we guys can... We can only come out to about an hour, though, which is kind of nice. I suppose. It's, it's, it's a good length, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alright, suppose that means it's me next. Probably. There's but, only two of us. No, there's a third one. He's just a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see the ghost. So, uh, you know what big thing kind of happened in esports this week? Tell me. League of Legends World Championships. This is, I believe, the ending of Season 4? Four? 4 or 5. Either way, uh, but nads. <laughs> They are gearing up for, or they geared up for its its kickoff by, I guess, essentially commissioning Imagine Dragons to do a song. So they re- Imagine Dragons released a song called Warriors, uh, to commemorate the the beginning of the World Championships. And also, I missed an ads there. Eh, whatever. So go and listen to it if you want. I know Sir Buck said that he didn't think it was one of their best ones, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. I Imagine Dragons has some of my favorite songs of like the last few years, but they also have a bunch of songs that I was just like I listened to and I was just like, "Eh, what is this?" Like, I don't, "Eh." <laughs> and this I this is just one of the ones where I'm like, "Eh, whatever." However, it's free. So, yeah. you go onto the website, you can click on the download link and you can get it on your computer door for free like I've done. Woohoo! So you too can be like me one day. Okay, you know what? I'm I'm gonna have to download it and like play it on AudioSurf. Pound some noobs there. Ooh. <laughs> I I there's nothing that I enjoy more in AudioSurf than playing video game related songs because it's like it's it feels so weird to be playing the soundtrack from something else in AudioSurf. <laughs> so Kickstarter, we've uh, we've Kickstarted quite a few games, especially. Kickstarter, yep. During that during that one spring when we just kind of went crazy and kicked and kickstarted basically everything that we found. Well, I did. There was a lot of good things. Yeah, there. Yeah, but what happens if they can't finish the project? Well, up until now, Kickstarter didn't really have like a clear guideline on what exactly happens then. So they've updated their terms of service to number one, use plain English, so they don't have a bunch of legalese anymore. You can actually read it and understand it. Yeah. And they also outline what needs to happen if a project runs in, into some trouble and you know can't fulfill its promises to backers. So basically what they have to do is they have to tell the backers what they completed, how the money that they were given it was spent, and then why they can't complete the project. And if they don't do that, then they are open to legal action by the backers. Which is fair. Yeah, yeah, it's totally reasonable. But like now, now Kickstarter, the company, has actually come out and kind of given a clear statement on what they want to happen in that in that situation. Which is really nice for both backers and, in some ways, developers, because it, it yeah. means that the people who are legitimate developers are going to stay legitimate, and the people who are known as bad and trolley developers are going to get kicked out pretty quick. I mean, I'm sure that that happens somewhat 
frequently as is, but this will definitely help that. And yeah. Help the whole. It'll also. I mean, it breaks down the barrier between consumer and producer. Speaking of speaking of like getting your returns off of those projects, we're at the point now where a bunch of those things that we kickstarted a year and a half ago are actually coming out, Ooh. which is really nice. Yes, yes, yes. Because it's almost like getting a free game, except that I paid for it like you know a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> you paid for the development. You paid for the idea. The game is free. <laughs> That's a good slogan, actually. This is what happens after I've had a beer. All right. Oh, is that what you've been drinking? I mean, it's tasty. And one beer doesn't do that much to me. Like, so I mean, you didn't notice it until I mentioned it. No. I did notice you, like, very obviously lifting up this mug, like, you know, being all significant. And, hey, look, I'm drinking this thing. And I just kind of figured, oh, he's, like, you know, indicating lubrication. Like, you know. Well, I was thinking more like, cheers, mate. Oh, okay. But, yeah. All right, well, something that I'm definitely going to have to drink a lot before I play <laughs> is The Last of Us. Or not The Last of Us, no. sorry. No, well, maybe The Last of Us a little bit too, but The Evil Within, so that I can get enough liquid courage in myself to actually play through that game because it looks so damn terrifying, but it's going to be so damn good. But I, I, I don't know what to do. I get the However, feeling that if I drank before playing The Evil Within, I would freak out more. Just no, based, that would be if based you got on high. How I act when I'm tired and I play scary video games? I don't know. I suppose. So what's in this trailer? Actually, nothing too, too much, I suppose. It's it's just a new gameplay trailer that was released for Tokyo Game Show. It starts out with... Actually, it doesn't really say much about the game. It starts out with the main character in the first scene running away from the, the big chainsaw guy. So the fir- stuff that we saw in the first level... Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to some other stuff that I think we've seen before, like you you talking with this guy saying, this is my world. You cannot kick me out of it. <laughs> Essentially, with voiceover talking during the whole thing. It's a really relaxing, pretty music at the beginning. So That's just to get your guard down. Is to... Well, while it's playing, you're, you're limping towards some light with an obvious gash in the back of your calf. That might put a hamper on your plans. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's about getting your guard down. Now, imagine playing this game with an Oculus Rift. Oh god. That'd be pretty crazy. I would have to go to the bathroom before. And <laughs> and along those lines, Oculus has announced their latest build, which is called Crescent Bay. So if you remember the uh, development kit 2 was originally called Crystal Cove, I believe. Uh, so now we have Crescent Bay, and it's supposedly like an even bigger leap from Development Kit 2 to Crystal Bay than Development Kit 2 was from Development Kit 1. Like, I don't know what they're doing exactly that's so amazing, that's such a big leap. Um, it has, well, I, I know a few things. I know that it has 300-degree tracking, it has higher resolutions, and it has lower latency. And it also comes with built-in headphones instead of you having to, like, figure out, you know, your own and, like, fitting those over the, mm. the strap and everything. They look, they look like they're pretty basic headphones, but I don't know. Um, I guess it's nice to have those already on there. Pair it with Razer. What? Pair it with Razer. Well, but they already have headphones built on. I know what I'm saying. Like Razer quality headphones plus... Oh, right. Well, they didn't, though. It, it doesn't look like they did. Yeah, I can't say it because I haven't worn them. I haven't worn any of the Oculus. I'm very so, jealous of anybody who has. <laughs> you said it was crystal what? 
Crystal the, Bay. No, Crescent Crescent Bay is the the one that they just announced. Crystal Cove, the oh. Crescent Bay, so it'll probably be something like Stormy Sea. Or no, it has to start with another C. Um, the Crustacean Sea. Cucumbers. Cucumbers. <laughs> it's the only C word that I can think of right now. Oh, just thought of another one, but I'm not saying it. It's a four-letter word. Semen. No. My goodness, man. Do I need I'm to... just talking about sailors. Gosh, get your mind out of the gutter. No, I'm talking about words that start with C. The hmm. letter C. And of course, I was like, okay, cucumber, that's the only one I can think of. And then immediately I was like, oh no, I can think of a, a very, very bad swear word that starts with C. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully this is going to be the last development kit that comes out before they do the actual consumer release. I hope. Okay. Because I want to get one of them. <laughs> I'll have to wait and see if I have money. Right. Well, you were about to plop down $330 for a 970. No, I was thinking about it in the future when I had money again. <laughs> oh, I thought okay, I thought you meant like right now, just like, oh, maybe I should just buy one. No. No. I'm so not going to be that dumb. Our our listeners books, might be wondering, what is this 970 that you're talking about, you guys? Well, I'm glad you should ask, hypothetical listener, because the Maxwell architecture is here. During NVIDIA's Game 24 event, which was their giant 24-hour, completely live-streamed celebration of PC gaming, as they called it, uh, one of the main things that they did, obviously, was announce their new line of graphics cards. So we have the 980 and the 970. They're the two that exist right now on Maxwell. And they, man, they just blow it out of the water. Like, not only, not only do they do a bunch of you know, they, they introduce a bunch of new technologies that developers are going to have to take advantage of, but also just in terms of raw power to price ratio, they're probably the best cards that you can get right now. Mm-hmm. Like, just, it's it's probably the best thing in, in since, like, the 600, you know, the 680 and the 670. Like, the, it's amazing. It's great. Because <laughs> the, the, the 980 uh, costs... $550, you know, that's their recommended base price thing for it. The 970 is 330 329 uh, th- No, it was, it was 329 which oh. I round to 330 because I do real numbers. Not this was just farcical. I'm pretty sure it's 330 Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, they, so let's talk about a few of the cool new technologies that they, that they introduce here. Um, but... So my favorite one actually was their their new take on anti-aliasing. So I'm going to see if I can explain it as well as he did in the video. Actually, if if you want to watch uh, a in-depth video on what's new on these graphics cards, go to you know the GeForce uh, blog article that we link to and watch the video that's on there. It's it's a really good video actually for for understanding what's going on. So anti-aliasing is when you have so, so say you have an object in the world that you're trying to render, right? Yeah. You have this, you know, the your pixels are a grid of squares, right? And yeah. if if that object creates a diagonal across there, the graphics card has to decide which of those pixels is going to be shaded as, you know, part of the object, and which ones are going to be shaded as part of the background. And if you just hmm. just do it with one sample where, you know, the graphics card takes a look at, say, the middle of the pixel and goes, okay, is that on the object or is that on the background? And then it colors them accordingly. So if you have a, a white object on black background, you'll have this kind of jagged line of pixels 
where you know it's trying to approximate a diagonal, but it can't because they're squares. Now, yep. the the solution that we've been using for years and years and years to make these jagged lines look better is called multi-sample anti-aliasing, MSAA. You've probably seen it in you know the graphics options when you're messing around with those. Well, now I know what that means. And well, yeah. So what what it does is it takes multiple points within a pixel and samples those. So it, it goes, okay, let's look at the right side of the pixel. Is that on the object? Yes? Okay. Is the left side on the object? No? Okay. Well, this pixel right here, because it's half on and half off, is going to be colored in between. So it'll be, since we have a white object on black background, we have gray, right? So that's what that's two sample multi sample anti aliasing. And I think I think they go all the way up to like four or eight samples or something like that. So you know. And the problem with that, like it, it does the, the job pretty well of making those jagged lines look better, but it takes a lot more computing power. It takes twice as much, you know well, in terms of that that operation of figuring out what color they need to be, it takes twice as much because it's uh, sampling each pixel twice. Well, uh, so what they've come up with for Maxwell that's new is called multiple frame anti-aliasing. And what it does is instead of sampling both of those points for in, in one frame, it'll sample the right point in the first frame, and it'll sample the left point in the next frame, and then it'll figure out after it's gone through two frames, okay, does that one need to be white? Does it need to be black? Does it need to be gray? So instead of doing twice as much work during each frame, it does you know one 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 piece of work. You know it it samples one dot per pixel, and then it samples the other half of them during the next frame. And you'll never notice it because you know it, as long as your your video card is running at you know a good 30 to 60 frames per second, you're not going to see those first two frames, right? They're you know they're yeah. they're like that. Um, but and so. So I, I think it's just brilliant because it's not like a solution where it's just let's make more powerful graphics cards. It's let's think about this and do it more intelligently so that our graphics cards, while being more powerful, can also do the work with less effort. I, I think it's quite elegant. <laughs> Efficiency is nice. Always. Yes, quite. Oh, did we also mention the Maxwell graphics cards are actually the most power efficient on the market right now in terms of, you know, wattage to number of floating point operations that they can do? No. Yeah, very, very cool. And then I had something that I had stuck on there, but you... It's, it, it's actually in the article already. Oh, yeah. okay. So we don't, need to, we don't need to link another one. Okay. Well, maybe it was just a reminder to me, but another thing that they can do that I thought was actually kind of cool is that they can take, if you set a game on a really high resolution, so like 4K or, well, 1440, 4K, possibly even 8K, because apparently that's a thing. <laughs> I think you would need more than one 980 to get away with that. Probably. But something that you can do, and they actually have this built into the cards themselves, is they will take those higher resolutions and then they will scale it down to the local resolution of your computer. So it... I don't really know how to describe it other than it starts looking really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Really, really quick. Yeah, and the, so the difference between that and that's, that's specifically, I think, about the frames that are in the buffer because currently what happens is the, like, the buffer exists so that it can push frames to your screen even if it falls a little bit behind, right? 
Yes. So usually those frames that are stored in the buffer are a lower resolution than your screen is. So if if the video card or if the graphics card starts to fall behind, it'll it'll push those lower resolution uh, frames that are upscaled to your to your monitor. Yeah. But this is doing the opposite. This is <laughs> rendering those things in the frame at a higher resolution and then downscaling them. <laughs> okay, so that is a very, very brute force, just like, we have more powerful colors now, let's do whatever we can with them. <laughs> well, you know how I like to play my games. I go tanky tank Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> and that's, that's sort of my philosophy on life, is tanky tank Leroy Jenkins, Russian head first. And maybe think about the consequences on the way there. So I guess it's very fitting that you want to build a computer that uh, employs that philosophy. <laughs> yes. um, Speaking of which, uh, I have a question for the ghost. Nope, he's going to have to Hello. unmute himself Hi. in the hangout. There Hi. you go. Hey there. Hello. So in my desktop right now, I have a 770. Yep. Yes? Mm-hmm. If I were to buy a 970, would I be able to SLI the two together, or does it only work on, like, cards? Uh, you would have to have like generation cards and the same numbered cards. So 770, 770. Like, there's no way to SLI things that are out of the generation and even out of just the second number, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the real question is, would SLIing two 770s together be better than just getting one new 970? And the answer is probably it would be better to do two, but eh. Yeah, but that's costing twice as much. Yeah. Well, I mean, he already has one 970. I mean, one 770. So there's that. And right, but if he was going to get one 970, then he could just sell the 770 to, you know, some schmuck who doesn't know better. See, I don't think of selling components because I just build more computers. Yeah, that's not what we're doing here. That's what you should be doing. Well, anyway, the even if you were to upgrade, you probably wouldn't be getting a huge performance boost between the 970 and the older not, 770. Not noticeable now with games now no. on a 1080p and, screen. Well, and even, I mean, no. it, it's not even noticeable just generation-wise. I mean, uh, if you recall, the uh, 770 is really a rebranded 680. Yeah. Right? So, so there, what's the difference between right, a 680 the, and a... But the 970 can't possibly be a rebranded anything because it's, it's on the Maxwell architecture. Well, right, exactly. The, but, the, and, the... and there just isn't enough uh, difference yet between those two. Yeah. So NVIDIA has claimed that you know Maxwell is much, much better at doing VR for some reason. I don't know. It sounded like they were just marketing at that yeah, point. Yeah, they, they did do but, that. <laughs> so, according to them, it's better at keeping up with the latency over a VR headset or something, 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 or whatever. No, I, I don't know. know if you mentioned this yet, but did you mention the number of display adapters that are on the back of the cards? Uh, there's like four or five display port so, ones. So now, and, so now yeah. it, it's changed from four uh, on a uh, standard to five. So you can now have five monitors, which I find to be a big deal. <laughs> Don't you already have five monitors? I have four monitors attached to this computer. Coming soon, number five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, these were uh, announced during the live stream of Game 24. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the, the live stream itself. Uh, it went for 24 butts. It went for 24 hours. I didn't watch it for, it for 24 butts. Yep. nearly the entire 24 hours. Did you? I 
I got bored really quick, to be completely honest. Yeah, were were you there at like 6 p.m. when they first started or whatever? No, I was in rehearsal. Okay, okay. Um, I I showed up like almost, probably almost halfway through the stream because you know it was at 3 a.m. that it started started in my time zone, and yeah. so I I woke up, went to class, got finished with that, and then like at it must have been 9:30 or 10 o'clock. I sat down in one of the cafes on campus and just started streaming it. So they were well underway by the time I got around to watching it, but uh, I, I kind of liked it. Uh, they, the One of the more interesting things that was going on, in my opinion, was the Mod 24 case modding contest, hmm. where the, these three teams had 24 hours to you know, take the cases that they were given, the the computer cases, and make whatever they could out of them. They turned out really, really well. Like I was really impressed. There was there was one that was Black Ops, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops themed. It you know they ended up with a black or I mean not black, uh, kind of a, a dark gray metal finish uh, with all of like the the corners you know were made to look like they were all welded. Actually, they may have been welded. I don't know, but it looked really cool. My favorite one was a almost pure white. Uh, tower that had just like an, a giant Nvidia logo on the side, and then they also they like obviously they they didn't just do that. They also had all of the inside of the case kind of redone, repainted, and everything. Uh, and it just lo- it looked really super sleek. And uh, I, I signed up for the sweepstakes, you know, to win one of the three. Hopefully, hopefully I get it. That'd be really cool. Because they all, like, literally everything that they were doing, all of the giveaways, all of the activities and stuff that they were doing during the live stream was like, well, everybody here gets a 980, like, as a prize. Whether you win or not, you're going to get a 980. Yeah. <laughs> Which was super crazy. Uh, they they also, let's see, what did they do? They broke some world records. That was yep. really cool. I, I I saw the game competition. The Yeah, yeah. So tell us about that one. So they rented out... Uh, the field at oh shoot, what's the the place the the big Canterbury Park? What? Canterbury Park? That's in Minnesota. No, sorry, something Downs. I know this. I could also click on the link and find out. <laughs> Churchill Downs. Okay, so really big horse racing stadium, and th- there they have a giant monitor. An absolutely giant screen. So what they did is they hooked up. And it's actually the world's largest 4K screen. World's largest 4K screen. Yeah. Yes. Fun fact. And so what they did is they hooked up a couple of computers. Well, was it a couple or just one? I think it was just one, because the two and guys they... played one after the other. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they hooked up a computer to this massive thing, and then they had them play Borderlands, the pre-sequel for. 10 or 12 was, minutes a piece. It was or so. a speed run test to see who could get to like the end of a level faster. And they each took That's what it was. Uh, 12 minutes and some change to finish. Yeah. But either way, because both of them had played for a combined total of at least 15 minutes, and it was on the world's biggest monitor, they, they broke the Guinness World Record of playing or of having a game competition on the biggest 4K screen in the world. Yep. Actually, I don't know if they broke a record or if this was the first time that that record was ever set. They set the record. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they set the bar pretty dang high. They did. It's going to be very difficult to break it uh, until somebody else builds a larger 4K screen. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, that was a that was a pretty cool video. Um, oh, but so they also overclocked some GPUs to I, I believe it was the highest clock speed that any GPU has ever been overclocked, and that was a really really funny portion of the the live stream because they it was just a couple of guys standing around this table with freaking liquid nitrogen in tubes that they were pouring into a container just like on top of the graphics card right <laughs> to cool it down and and they like it, it's so nitpicky it's so precise they they had they have to do it by hand you know they 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 watched the temperature and then manually like poured more liquid nitrogen in there when they needed to cool it down if they made it a little bit too cool they took a blowtorch and started <laughs> blowtorching the inside of this container to, like, evaporate some of the liquid nitrogen. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I also learned, fun fact, that apparently digital outputs don't work on graphics cards if you cool them down to, like, minus 100 Celsius because they were using a VGA output to, you know, to, to display the video that they were displaying. I don't think... They weren't even displaying anything very interesting. They were just overclocking this this GPU for the sake of overclocking it. <laughs> yeah. They also had they also had a Dota 2 tournament going on. I never watched it. They they I saw a little, but Dota 2 isn't really a game that I play much, so Yeah. I wasn't too interested. I was rather impressed by like just the the number of streaming channels that they had going on in tandem. There were like seven. Yeah. And so the the they had like the main channel that was always going. They had I I believe the the mod twenty four the case modding channel was almost always going. And they would flip over to them every once in a while to check up on the teams and stuff. But if you you know if you wanted to you could go and just watch the mod twenty four channel the entire time if you if you felt yeah. like it. Um, yeah they they had a few like celebrity guests on. Uh, I didn't I didn't know who most of them were. A few of that they they had a few that were actually game developers. That was more interesting to me than the celebrity guests. <laughs> they um they had a channel where it was essentially a bunch of people just sitting at home relaxing and Skyping in. Yeah, you and actually making their anybody, own commentary. anybody could Skype in to that to that call. There mm-hmm. uh it, on the so the, these buttons weren't on the Twitch channel itself, but if you were at the game24.nvidia.com site, there was like a row of buttons down there that said, you know, Skype call, whatever. And if if somebody got you know, left one of the one of the Skype calls that they had going on, you could click on that button and call it, and you would be then on the live stream. Crazy. Yeah. So those guys actually they got to ask some interesting questions of of uh, one of the top dogs at Nvidia. I was that was pretty cool. He was explaining a little bit more on how the how the tech works. Um, he went on a, a, for a while about multi-frame anti-aliasing, which is partially why I was so excited about it because it's really. Cool. <laughs> they also. What is this debunking conspiracy theories? This one was really cool. So there there are a bunch of people obviously. Conspiracy theories about everything, and one yeah. of the more annoying ones is, well, the moon landing never happened. They just, you know, shot all of that in a sound studio, and blah 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 blah. And there's all of these things where they, you know, they talk about like the lighting is all wrong, and you know, there's no stars up there in the in uh uh you know in the pictures, even though you know the, the sky is black, you should be able to see the the stars and stuff. And you know, up until now, you nobody could really demonstrate that well, the lighting actually makes sense. But NVIDIA, when they when they were developing new lighting techniques for Maxwell, 
Um, they, they actually can pretty much do real-time lighting now, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, they, oh, butts. They, they realized that, like, so, you know, what are we going to do with this to, like, show it off? Like, what, what can we do? They thought of, oh, wait a minute, we could, we could like, restage the moon landing and take, you know, the picture in the same position at the same time and see if it actually looks right. And it did. They, you know, they restaged the entire thing, uh, made all of the, the reflective properties of all of the objects match what the actual objects would be in real life, and, and it all looked correct. And, you know, the, like the reason that the stars aren't up there in the night sky is because, well, when you're on the moon, it's daytime. They weren't on the dark side of the moon. So <laughs> it was daytime. Why you can't see, you know, because <laughs> that would have made the video so much better because they showed this this little part where they were, you know, manually ramping up the exposure, like on their camera, their virtual camera, and you know, like showing that yes, you can now see the the stars up at the top of the picture, but the entire surface of the moon is now just washed out white. So that would have been hilarious, like ramping it up and ramping it up. Nighttime. Daytime. Daytime. That's Patrick Starr, right? Uh, that's BBC. No. What? BBC? BBC, the, the animal voiceovers. Oh, right. I need to go rewatch that. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of enjoyed uh, watching the stream, just, you know, not, not watching it as my main thing, but having it going in the background and reading webcomics and stuff. Yeah. And I think that that was my issue. Is I well, I I had it in the background for part of it, but I had it in the foreground for a lot of it. And when it was in the background, I wasn't really paying attention to it because I was focusing on whatever I had in the foreground. So I got bored with it relatively quick. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was worth the price at least. <laughs> well, there was one game. Do you remember that that one game that I reviewed that I was just like straight up, this is not worth your time. I don't care if the, if if they're going to give you the game for free. Don't play it. The 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 plane game, the airplane game. No, 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 no. I never played that. Uh, <laughs> no, that was that was contrast. Actually, do you remember that the the platformer with the shadows and stuff? Mm. You could become a shadow, and yeah. So not not everything that's free is worth that price. Because <laughs> if something is not worth your time, then you know it's not worth free. Yeah. That's actually a pretty good segue into some reviews, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So this week I played The Room and The Room 2. Do not confuse this with the terrible, terrible movie, The Room. <laughs> I've never seen it, but apparently I need to watch it now. Declan told me so. And so these games are, uh, they started off on mobile. Um, the Room 1 is also available on PC if you want to go and check it out. Um, but so The Room and the Room 2 are puzzle games in a 3D environment where you're basically, the, the task is get into this safe. And it's not, you know, as simple as, oh, stick in a key and, you know, open the safe or put in a combination or whatever. It's, it's an entire puzzle based around opening up the safe. And then once you open the safe, there's another container inside that you have to figure out how to open, you know. And that's that's where the levels of the game come from. Yo, dog, I heard you like boxes. Yeah, yeah I know, right? Well, so that, that, was the, that was the premise of, uh, of the first one, right? And then the second one, so it was a pretty good game, the, the first one, you know. The, the one, it, it came out 
a while ago, so it was one of the first games where they actually had like a fully rendered 3D environment that you could move around in and interact with things in a tactile way. Uh, so that was that was quite revolutionary. You know, the, if you needed to move a switch, you actually had to like flick it upwards with your with your finger. You know, or if you needed to, stuff like that, if you needed to turn a key, you know, you turned it with your finger on the on the touch screen. So I can see why people were quite smitten with that. Um, but and and it, it was a, it was uh, a pretty good game. Like even even now, even after a few years, the visuals hold up pretty well. There were a few times when there were some like low resolution textures that I was kind of like, eh, why am I looking at this? It looks like poop was smeared on the wall. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it was a it was a pretty good game. I would say that the room one was it would be worth you know a good two to three dollars to for you to play. Um, Luckily, since it's a very old game, as in terms of mobile gaming, it's you know the price has gone down all the way to a dollar. So, I I definitely recommend going and picking it up and playing if you can. Now, the room two, holy cow! The room two. They basically took every concept from the room one and just made it better. Like <laughs> they the room two. I I will say this: the room one was a good proof of concept. Of what they what they were doing, you know, the what type of game they were making. The Room Two was basically the game that the Room One wanted to be, and it kind of reminds me of Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed Two, because Assassin's Creed One, like when it came out, nobody had ever seen a game like this before, it, at least not quite like it. Like we we had had third person action games with you know interesting platforming before, but we had never had an Assassin's Creed game before. And then the Assassin's Creed 2 came along, and it was you know it was five times as long. It had a much more interesting story. There were characters, <laughs> you know, like that, that were actually meaningful characters that we could relate to. Uh, the, the graphics were way better. Same thing with the Room versus the Room 2. The Room 2 takes it, and for example, instead of just having one box in the room that you have to open, there are several different objects throughout the room. Like, you can zoom out and look all around the room and look at different things and find... You know, and each of them, them has things that they give you that you have to take to another part of the room to, like, open a different thing, and then that one might give you something to go somewhere else, you know? So it's, it's a really interesting kind of scavenger hunt, uh, more so than the, than the original was. The visuals, obviously, were updated a lot, look much better. And they... So the, the room one kind of had this sort of creepy vibe to it. Um, I was, you know, they, they you find these letters from a, the person who sealed the safe uh, about, you know, this research that they've been doing on, like, the null element and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, a kind of early 20th century England science, you know, where it's kind of like a do-it-yourself, you know, the, much, much less science and more just kind of, like, trying whatever you can uh, kind of environment. And... It kind of reminded me of Amnesia: The Dark Descent, actually. Mm. The the this this creepy kind of vibe, the the undefined bad things might happen sort of you know feeling, and the room two just takes it and goes, nope, horror game. We're going to throw jump scares at you, and you know just have you like it, it was good. It was good though. Like it was it was a horror game in a, in a good way. Um, like. They were kind of limited in what they could do because. I like how the Tusk is going to be a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except that I don't think the Room Two was a comedy in any way. No. But uh, the like, so they they were kind of limited in what they could do because 
the control scheme, you know, you, they're, they're not going to have any, like, chase sequences, for example, because you can't move yourself, really. You know, it's, it's more like, the, you know, there's flashing lightning, and then I kind of thought that I saw something out of the corner of my eye, but then, like, when I looked again, there was nothing there, kind of thing, you know, or... Oh, I just solved a puzzle, and then I turn around and whoa! There's like a, a statue of a of an angel there. I'm pretty sure they did that specifically for the Doctor Who fans, actually. Yeah, I was about to say, don't blink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, actually, her her eyes were covered with a with a kind of a bandage thing. So, hmm. Oh man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the room two. Definitely, de- like, play the room one for sure before you play the room two. But the room two is going to blow it out of the water for you. Like, it is a much better game. Uh, probably worth like a good five dollars, I would say. Um, five dollars, yeah. Like, oh, that's a, that's a lot of money for a mobile game. But no, seriously, it's it's actually worth it. It it lasts. It, it's not like uh, Monument Valley where you're going to get finished with it in, you know, an hour, and it's you, you don't have to work at figuring out the puzzles. They're, these are actually rather challenging oh. puzzles. I see the picture of the angel that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I just looked on your blog. <laughs> I, I kind of jumped a little uh, at that. And, yeah, so I, I recommend going and checking those out if you, if you can. Um, unfortunately, The Room 2 is not available on PC, so you won't be able to go and play it, Ian. Nope. Until you, well, no, I I wouldn't play it on your iPod actually. That'd be a terrible idea. <laughs> I'll just snag mom's iPad and. There you go. Right on that. There you go. I don't know. And actually, right. it would work better on a on a large screen because I was on the the five inch Nexus and there were a couple of times where I kind of you know my eyes were kind of straining because I was trying to see things that were rather small on the screen. But for the most part, it worked pretty well. Uh, but if if you have like a seven or or a ten inch tablet, that'd be the recommended recommended form factor. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you had a lot of fun with the games that you were playing. <laughs> the one that I played was it, it was interesting, and that was South Park: The Stick of Truth. I finally got around to buying it last week, and I played it this weekend and finished it. And it was game wise and mechanic wise, it felt nothing more. Or felt like nothing more than just a big flash game. Hmm. And, I mean, there were definitely some parts that I found really amusing. Like, when you have to go up to Canada, it turns into a big reference to Were Dragon Warrior, Warriors? the Dragon Warrior games, and Final Fantasy games, because mm-hmm. it's all in in that bit graphics. So I think, what was that, 16-bit? Yeah. I'm not sure. I haven't played any of those Dragon Warrior games. By the way. So that one, that one was fun, and there were definitely some fun things about it. But I think it's one of those games where you really have to be an an avid South Park fan to really, really, really get the most out of it. Yeah, I, yeah, the the sense of humor is definitely what would carry that game. And well, beyond just having the sense of humor, it's just there's a bunch of references that they have to other other South Park episodes and big moments in South Park. So like, I I haven't watched the show much, but I do remember there's one show where one of the characters becomes the new prophet for all of Scientology, essentially, oh, yeah. and. Well, on a typical day, right? Well, on a typical day, yeah. And so you have to... Nads. Uh, Nads. <laughs> Which would fit in that game. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Or you don't have to, but you 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 go up to this kid's room in his house, house in South Park and you find 
Tom Cruise still in the closet and refusing <laughs> to come out of the closet because that's something that happened in that episode. And you can go and look inside of every person's closet, and there's just references to everything that happened in South Park. And as a completionist, you can't not go and check every single closet. Exactly. Because it's like, I see that reference there, and I see that reference there, and I see that reference there. But I don't really know most of these. Mm -hmm. So there are a few references. And I mean, let's see. The combat style was something akin to what I've seen with some of the Super Mario RPGs. Okay. Specifically, like, Mario and Luigi partners in There's Mario RPGs? There are Mario RPGs, yes. Oh, man. I'm so behind the times. Uh, no, you're you're ahead of the times. The original Super Mario RPG came out on NES or SNES. And uh, okay, so how is that not being behind the times? <laughs> I'm 20 years behind the times. Because we moved on to other RPGs, so I know it's one of Brady McCallum's favorite games. But beside the point, so you go through combat. It's a turn-based combat system, and Let's see, during this time you get to have one ally out with you, though there'll often there'll oftentimes be four or five enemies that you're facing at a time. You'll you each get a free action and then an actual action. So sort of like how D D works in that sense. Okay. But So would you say for somebody who's not a South Park fan, is it is is this game even worth their time? Kind of because you might still find some of the humor funny and amusing, but it's not worth spending a lot of money on. So, like, it was, what, 60 bucks when it first came out? That Probably. was outrageous. Yeah. It was $40 on the Humble Store when I saw it, and I got it for 20 bucks because it was on sale on the Humble Store, and I still think that was too much. Mm. I'd say maybe 5 or $10, honestly. Okay. Which which bums me out to say for a game that big, well, okay, 5 to $10 for me. For someone who does not know the series and who does not really understand a lot of the references that they're making and a lot of the humor that they're making. I mean, Al Gore spouting about about a man-bear pig is kind of amusing to anyone in some ways. But, yeah, I got a grin out of me. But there's only so much you can handle of that. And so, I, and then on the other hand, like for people who are already big fans of South Park, they probably, chances are, went and bought the game already. yeah. Like if they if they play video games and they are fans of South Park, I can't imagine them not getting that game. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, for for a South Park fan, you'll get all the references and you will absolutely love it. For someone who's not that much of a South Park fan, it, there's still some fun moments, but it's not the best. And like as I said, game mechanics wise, it it was a little difficult. Like during the combat system, there's times where you have to click the button just right or just at the right time. Mm. And for some of the characters and for some of the moves, the the window of doing that was was sometimes a little bit long, but more often than not, it was too short. Like there's a character named Butters who you have to hit things with your hammer with, and if you don't click it exactly at the right moment, and it, it differs each time, but hmm. so you have to if you're like half a second, probably less than half a second in front or behind. In fact, yes, less than half a second. It has to be right at that moment. Then it doesn't get the the bonus that it otherwise would. So there there is some game mechanics things that were frustrating and annoying. And I mean, as far as video game adaptations of movies slash TV shows, this does sound like it's one of the better titles. Yes, yes, I will give it that. Which would be expected. Who developed it again? Was it Obsidian? Ubisoft. It was Obsidian and Ubisoft. Okay. 
Oh, right, because this was originally one of the THQ games that got bought by somebody else. And that's was somebody it? Else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty sure. And I, I guess it was Ubisoft who bought it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so that's, that's the stick of truth. And that's all that I have written down <laughs> for the show notes. Well, we're, we're bordering on about three hours or two hours now. Are we? Including oh, French. Including French. Yeah, so the, pro- sorry this is probably a really long episode, but I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mostly because of the butts and mads. Butts and mads and butts and mads and butts and mads and mads and butts and mads and butts and mads. Yeah, sorry, Ryan. So, <laughs> I'm Ian Buck. And I'm Ian Decker. Signing off. With a pelican? Well, he was about to shoot it, and I luckily saved the squirrel's life by telling him to go let it go in the park. But mm-hmm. it's been a few hours since then, so I wouldn't be surprised if he continued afterwards. Family in Swedish is pronounced literally the same way, but it's spelled F-A-M-L-J. Unacceptable. No, no, not okay. So in case you were really confused about what was going on, Ryan, we decided that we were going to replace all of our ums or uhs with buts and nads. And no point was I confused because I heard everything. Oh, okay, because you appeared to be gone when we originally talked about it. Being gone and not being here are different things. You'll have to explain that to me someday. (laughs) You can't disagree, because those are different things. (laughs) What are are the Swedish squirrels like? Oh my god, there are no squirrels. Oh, crap. Wow, that's so weird. That is kind of weird. Apparently, the concentration of squirrel population is directly proportional to the amount of police officers that you have.